Hey there, and welcome to the One Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. If you'd like to know more about life at One Church, visit us online at weareone.church or check us out on social media. going to be heading into um, the third part of the gospel part two. Um, as we've been discussing over the last couple of weeks, this is like a family value um, uh, message for us because we have these family values around one church. Like we say things like we get to give. And another one of those things is that every hello matters. It's not just a nice motto, but it's actually an outworking of the gospel because every hello matters. Because every hello is an interaction with someone made in the image of God. Turn to the person next to you or the people around you and just say hello to them. Um, You have just said hello to an image bearer of God. You have just said hello to an eternal being. You have just said hello to somebody who is loved immeasurably and incredibly by God. You have just said hello to someone who Jesus pictured as he gave his life on the cross. You have just said hello. That is why every hello matters. Doesn't that change the way you approach a hello? Like when I'm rolling out of bed in the morning and the kids are like, hi, mummy, I want some breakfast. Hello. (laughs) It's probably the sum total of what they get. Uh, But the truth is this. I'm talking to an image bearer of Jesus. What about that irritating person in your office? Oh, every hello matters. That is why every hello matters. And you know, Jesus, he never, ever wasted a hello, did he? I love the way that you watch him communicate and talk to people and interact with people um, as we read it throughout the Gospels. And, and, and you can just see that the way that he healed people and spoke to people, the way he welcomed people, the way that he taught people, he loved people and he made sure that every hello mattered. And today I, do, I don't want to just talk to us about this whole idea of every hello mattering, but I want to talk to us about a really specific way that, and the really specific thing that was present in every conversation that Jesus had with people. It was something that defined nearly every conversation that he had with somebody, and it's something that we so easily miss, and it is joy. You see... It's, it, I would argue that Jesus was probably one of the most joyful people you could ever interact with. Would you agree with me on that? Probably out of all the people, if you, if you were to imagine all the people, uh, and I asked you to think of somebody who is probably the top number one person who is the most joyful person. Some of you might think, well, that would have to be like um, a billionaire, right? Because why would you have any reason not to be joyful? Uh, or maybe you would think like someone like Mother Teresa, who was like, she just gave away everything she had and lived this really simple life and she was just joyful. What, uh, what comes to mind? I would argue that Jesus is, would outjoy them in a fight. 
They would outjoy them in a fight. If we were to ask a hundred people that very same question, I'm pretty sure, just like the game show, Jesus would be a pointless answer. Because we don't always think of him as being the joyful person. I think it's because sometimes he's presented to us as a very serious and sad person. Because we think of him in the context of the cross. Like Jesus is, was, was very serious about his mission. He was very serious about his purpose and what he was here for. And, but he did all of that seriousness from a context of the fullness of joy that he had within him. So actually, I think that he would be the most joyful person who ever lived. In Psalm 45, um, you know, the Psalms have lots of different uh, ways of, some of them are songs, some of them are like these poems that express like what was going on in the writer's life, and some of them prophesy. That means that they speak something that is yet to come, or they speak of someone who is yet to come. And in Psalm uh, 45, And verse 7, it says this, You love justice and hate evil. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than anyone else. This is talking about Jesus. That literally means that Jesus was full of more joy than anyone else. More joy than anyone else. Jesus was full of joy. Just think about that. Think about the way that Jesus was like the children were constantly following him and hanging out with him. Now, children are really honest about how they feel about people. Have you ever noticed that? Ever had a conversation with my daughter? They are really honest about how they feel about people. They are not afraid to tell you the truth, are they? Like you can, uh, you can try and have a conversation with a kid and they just are like, I couldn't care less who you think you are and how much you like me. I am not interested right now. But when it comes to Jesus, kids wanted to be around him all the time. He was so approachable. He was so full of joy. You know, kids always want to be where the party's at, don't they? And they found him to be that person. Think about the kinds of people that Jesus hung around with. Like, they wanted to be around him. Like, men who had just filled their entire boat with fish because he'd done this incredible miracle. This was like them winning the lottery with this haul. They had to pull in and they couldn't even get it into one boat. They had to call over another boat. They dropped their nets. They dropped their million pound lottery ticket to follow this randomer. There must have been something about Jesus and the way he was and who he was that made people want to follow him. And it is the fact that he has this fullness of joy that would well up within him. It's irresistible. Uh, In Luke 15, Jesus tells these three stories which demonstrate his joy. Which is cool, isn't it? Because when we, when we think of Jesus and his very serious mission, we don't always read into the context of like these amazing moments where he's trying to express to us that this is a joyful good news. And in Luke 15, he tells these three stories. One is about a lost sheep, one is about a lost son, and one is about a lost coin. 
And we're going to read uh, this particular story about a woman who turns her whole house upside down, just trying to find this coin that she's lost. She literally, she's looking everywhere like a crazy, anybody else been like that? I'm like that every Monday when I'm doing the school run and I get to school and I'm like, I haven't got a mask. Where's a mask? There's got to be a mask around here somewhere. And Sarah will say, well, yeah, Lisa, but you don't often wear one. And that's because I can't find one, all right? And, and, uh, but she's turning up her whole house trying to find her, um, her mask, I was going to say then, her coin. And we'll pick up the story here in Luke 15, verses 9 to 10. And it says this, And when she fa- has found it, she calls her friends and neighbours together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found this peace which I have lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy, this is Jesus explaining the story, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Let me say that again. There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Did you catch that? Look at the language that uh, Jesus chooses to use here. He didn't say there is rejoicing on the part of the angels. He doesn't say that there is uh, rejoicing among the angels, but in the presence of angels. The word he um, used here means in the presence of, before, or over against, or opposite. Jesus was saying that the angels are facing joy looking at, experiencing and observing joy happening in front of them every time someone repents. Because that joy is coming from God himself. How cool is that? It's not that the angels go mad, it's that God is going like, yes, like we're going to go mad tonight when we win. I nearly said the World Cup. The Euros. We're going to go absolutely mental, aren't we? Because I believe it. I'm a believer and full of faith. Come on, can I get a yes and amen in the room here today? But God goes crazy over when one lost person comes back to him, celebrating. It comes from him, all this celebration, rejoicing and cheering. But we just expect our experience of God to be not that and just serious. But actually, the fullness of joy that is in Jesus is in, comes from God. You see, Jesus is full of joy because he is the woman who finds the lost coin and gets her friends together to celebrate. Jesus is full of joy because he is the shepherd that's rejoicing over the one lost sheep that he has found. Jesus, he is the father who runs out to the son before the son has even said sorry and says, I am just so pleased that you are here. He is the groom rejoicing over his bride he is full of joy he is fullness of joy he is that he completely embodies that Jesus was full of joy and he was trying to teach the disciples and us that we too can be full of joy it's so important that we grasp this because it's how we communicate to other people too 
If Jesus was trying to tell us that this is how he is and therefore this is what we can receive too, then he's trying to tell us that because he wants us to express this joy just as he does. Now there's this guy called Karl Barth. He was uh, one of the greatest theologians of all time. Sounds pretty serious, right? His mind was massive. His learning was just incredible. His theological insight was just mind-blowing. He wrote a six million word, 7,000 page, 12 volume dogmatic. That's a lot. I mean, I couldn't even imagine doing that. If I started, if I could have read and write from the moment I lived, I would never be able to write that much. It's incredible. But he also wrote another 40 and 50 books on that and several hundred articles, just absolutely mental mind. And there was an author that wrote this about him. He says this, he never took himself seriously and always took God seriously. And therefore, he was full of cheerfulness, exuberant with blessing. Speaking of his own work as a theologian, Bath said this about himself, the theologian who has no joy in his work is not a theologian at all. Sulky face, morose thoughts, and boring ways of speaking are intolerable in this science. Because the more you get to know God the more you are full with this fullness of joy. If we're missing joy, we're misrepresenting the gospel. This is what Bath was saying. Hey, if you're, if you're telling me loads of amazing information, but you're the most boring person I've ever met and you never smile or crack a joke or know how to have fun, you have missed the point. But sometimes we can miss the point too, can't we? What's the, what are the results of an absence of joy? I think sometimes it's... Uh, being short-tempered. Am I right, Liam? Uh, sometimes it's like finding it hard to celebrate other people's wins. I just loved celebrating um, Andy last week doing his Ironman. It's so cool. It was just like, where's Andy? Oh yeah, he's doing his Ironman this week. And uh, just being able to watch him absolutely smash it. We're really proud to know you, Andy. Just the training that you've put up with Heidi. Well done. Um, and, uh, but it's really cool, isn't it? I don't know, I got totally sidetracked there. But, oh yeah, but celebrating other people's wins. You, you get this, when, you're, when there's no joy in you, when somebody else wins, you're like, well, why didn't I win? Or is that just me? Okay. Um, uh, sometimes, you know, it's just really, really hard to get out of like being stuck in like this, like too and fro kind of thinking you know those times when you just ruminate on stuff and it just gets stuck in a cycle with you a lack of motivation and a lack of compassion all exist when there is an absence of joy impatience and indifference would be a good way of summing it up but the trouble is this if we're indifferent and we are um and we are um the other thing that i said impatient we are misrepresenting the gospel aren't we if we're behaving like that all the time, we're not expressing this incredible joy that we have in Jesus. What we end up doing is misrepresenting the gospel of Jesus, which was full of joy. But it would be really discouraging if we just left the message there, didn't we? If I just said, so we, we all need to have joy. Um, so if you've got any sadness, if you're grieving at all, if, uh, if, you know, if you're, you're facing depression at the moment or you're going through anything particularly difficult at the moment or you know, England lose tonight, you just need to build a bridge and get over it. Like, just cheer up. Come on, 
we're all need to represent the gospel better. Come on, cheer up, guys. It's all, come on, get over it. Let's, let's be full of joy. That would just be a really bad thing to say. And it wouldn't be godly, and it wouldn't be what Jesus would say either. But the truth is this. The good news is that Jesus promised us that we can have his joy. That we don't have to work to make our own kind of joy that lasts for a second. Or we don't have to uh, try and fit into this, um, this box of happiness. But actually Jesus says, I have something better to offer uh, than all of that. And you don't have to work for it. You don't have to grind for it. But actually what you can have today is not just a joy that you make for yourself. But I give you my joy. Says this in John 15 11. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. How? That's great news, isn't it? That's good news. That's a great one liner from Jesus. I love that promise. But how does that happen? In the 10 verses before this line, Jesus uses this one word 11 times. So in 10 verses, he uses this one word 11 times in chapter 15. And it says this, and this is the key to be, being filled with joy. Okay, it's this, remain. Remain in me as I also remain in you. Remain in the vine. Remain in me. Remain in me and I in you. Remain in me. Remain in me and my words remain in you. Remain in my love. Remain. Remain in his love. Eleven times. He's really trying to drive it home here today. Remain in me. If you want the source of joy that never runs out, we have to learn how to remain in Jesus. Not remain in the moment, live for the day, remain in Jesus. Put your confidence and your hope and your trust in Jesus. Don't put your hope and your trust in your own financial ability. Don't put your hope and your trust in your ability to keep your family safe. Don't put your um, trust in your ability to keep your job. Remain in Jesus. That is where joy comes from that doesn't run out. And we're not just talking about let's all now live like monks and go away and remain in solitude and quiet, although those are good things to do and add into your world. Jesus himself taught us to go off, take yourself off into a quiet place and just be with God. And that's an important thing to get into your diet and your daily routine. But the truth is this, what Jesus is really saying in is, is just be with me. Include me in what you're doing. <laughs> Include me in the way that you live your life out every day. It's being aware of him. It's being present and understanding that he is present wherever you are. It's inviting him into moments in your day so that we can share in his joy in every moment. How cool is that? How cool is it that we get to do that? In uh, 
1646, there was a document called the Westminster Shorter Catechism. It was published and there was this summary. It was basically a summary of a, of a doctrine and was a teaching to help people basically know what it means to be a Christian. It was written in a series of questions and answers. And one of the most famous uh, questions is this. What is the chief end of man? What is uh, humanity's main purpose, its main objective, it, um, the main thing that it needs to focus on? And do you know what the answer was to this? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. How cool is that? Not to serve him, not to honour him, not to uh, respect him or study him, not to endure him, not to sacrifice for him, but to enjoy him. Enjoy God. Enjoy being with him. That is your main purpose. Your main purpose isn't to be on a team here on a Sunday. The reason why we create this environment is to point people to a relationship with Jesus because our main purpose is to glorify him and enjoy him. That's our main purpose. So my question to you today is, are you enjoying God? Are you enjoying God maybe you're here and if you're honest the answer would be no and that's okay maybe you found yourself caught in other stuff found yourself becoming impatient and indifferent and lacking joy today and that's okay my question to you today is how can you enjoy God this week Maybe it's cutting the grass, like the guys outside right now. If you're at home, there is somebody cutting grass outside the building while I'm preaching. It's all good. We're going to enjoy this because God likes a laugh. How are you enjoying God this week? It doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be sat in silence and solitude. How are you enjoying God this week? Maybe you need to invite your family round for a meal and invite thankfulness to that table and just like take a look around that table and go, I'm really thankful for this today. God, I'm thankful to you. That's called remaining in God, realizing that he is a part of the family that you've been established into. Maybe for you today, you're, you need to just invite him into your car journeys to work maybe for you today tonight is we're watching the football and we're all getting excited about it and they all go whatever way it's going to go but just taking a moment today and say god i'm really enjoying this i'm really enjoying this thank you for this moment that's remaining in him maybe it's when those really difficult things come up and you don't really know what to do we remain in him when we say hey Jesus I don't know what the answer is here today but I trust and I put my confidence in somebody that is bigger than I am <laughs> remaining in him and that's when you can face things that are bigger than you and face it full of joy you know when um, when I was poorly I remember people going well how are you okay 
And apart from the army of people that like looked after me, <laughs> Val doing my ironing and different ones of you turning up with food and my parents basically parenting our first child. But I was okay and I was full of joy despite what I was facing because I just was like, well, I have nothing left. All I have is to remain in him. I can't work to make this better. I can't do anything to make this better right now for anybody. I just got to remain in him. And so you put one foot in front of the other and keep remaining in him. And I can tell you, I was probably more joyful then than I am right now. Because that's all I had. I couldn't try and create joy any other way. So I want to encourage you today. There is joy for you. And I'm going to pray right now. And then we're getting, James and Anna are going to wrap up this service. We're all going to go home and get the England flags out. Sorry, Ruth. She's from Scotland. <laughs> but there is joy that is incredible for you today. And maybe you want to experience that for the first time today maybe you're like I, I, I come to church but I don't know this joy that you talk of I've not experienced it and I believe that today God is going to pour that out in your lap and you're not going to know what to do with it that you're going to start on a day one of remaining in him and receiving not your own joy but his joy that is available to you Jesus we love you and we're here for you today we thank you that it doesn't need to be any more complicated than glorifying you and enjoying you to walk this life out as a follower of you and Jesus right now I just pray that God you would remind us again what it means to be in a fullness of joy because of an experience with you because of an encounter with you with an encounter with your promise that says we are forgiven that we are made right that we are free that we are whole and we are healed in you. That Jesus, where the enemy has come to steal, kill and destroy, God, you say that you have come to give life and life in all its fullness. And God, I just ask right now that you just fill us again with your joy. That we would have a day one moment, that this would be a beginning moment where we say, yeah, I'm not moving off this spot, but I'm going to stay focused on the fact that as I remain in you, God, you are my source of joy that where people are feeling depressed, where people are facing like such difficult roads in front of them, God, I thank you that you promised to be our fullness of joy. God, I pray that you would heal those places right now and that we would experience this joy that never runs dry. We thank you that you celebrated over us in the presence of angels when we said yes to you. We thank you that this day as thousands and millions of people choose to follow you, that you are rejoicing and that angels are watching on with awe and wonder as this God who loves us so much is celebrating like a crazy person because one of us has come home. We thank you for that picture. We thank you for that picture and we choose to live in that joy today. And if you believe it and want to receive it, why don't you just go ahead and say, Amen.